Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, we continue the series, Spiritual Warfare, based on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, which is about the full armor of God. In this episode, Armor, Belt of Truth, we'll focus on the belt of truth, which enables us to recognize and resist Satan's attacks. Here's Senior Pastor Perry Duggar. Is God your great defender? Has he been this past week? We continue our series called Spiritual Warfare. You'll notice I've received something I've always wanted, a deeper voice. It came as a, as a gift from my three-year-old grandson who shares everything he has, his affection, his germs, he shares it all. But we're going to begin this morning with Ephesians chapter 6. It's on page 945 in this book available at Brookwood, this Bible available, this version. If you want one of these, you better get it quickly. We understand there's a shortage of paper. They may not have these inexpensive Bibles in print um, next, next year, in the coming year. Paul closed this letter to the church in Ephesus with a warning about spiritual warfare along with instruction how to withstand attack from our spiritual adversaries. And so he begins at verse 10, chapter 6. A final word. Be strong in the Lord. Where does your strength come from? No, but from you, right? It comes from you? It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. And in his mighty power. Now it's true, Satan's control over us is limited. He can't steal our salvation. He has been defeated through Christ's crucifixion and resurrection, conquered the power of sin and death. But Satan is not powerless. The Bible refers to him as the ruler of this world in John 12, in John 14, and in John 16. It refers to him as the God of this age in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it states that the world lies in his power, 1 John 5, 19. That's a little bit frightening, isn't it? But all you have to do is scan the horizon, turn on the television, and you can see evidence of his control and influence. But God provides what we need to battle our enemy. Verse 11. Put on all of God's armor, not just a piece at a time, not just one you prefer, all of God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies. The Greek word translated strategies could be translated methods, wiles, schemes, tricks, and other translations use those words, of the devil. Now understand this, some of this will be review from last week. Satan, well, let me ask it. Is Satan everywhere? I heard some yes and I heard some no. 
Is he everywhere? No. Satan is a single being. He is not omnipresent the way that God is. Therefore, his plans and schemes are carried out through an evil world system that he rules with whom? Demons. What are demons? Follow that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that these spirits are in our world? Fallen angels, you can find that in Matthew 25, 2 Peter 2, Jude 1, Revelation 12. There were many, many angels that fell with Satan. Many say a third of them. There's not a, a clear text that points that out that I've found. But there was a significant number that fell with Satan. So he carries out his plans through these demons. I don't know, I don't know who Satan actually visits. But I think it's someone of great influence, I would guess. Because he's at hard at work with his evil plans, but he doesn't visit all of us. However, demons do. These evil spirits do. In fact, I think you need to be aware. Sometimes we hear these people, particularly now in all this, you know, there's all kinds of sources for information and a lot of it's political, but some of it's spiritual. Be very concerned when you hear people talking spiritually about message from angels that have nothing to do with Christ or the gospel or the way we should worship. Be very careful because demons appear as angels of light, as does Satan. Satan is powerful, but he is not omnipotent. So he's no match for God or God's spirit, which is within us. First John 4, 4 says, greater is the spirit within you than the spirit that's in this world. Ephesians 6, continue at verse 12. For we are not fighting. Now that translation literally could be, we are not wrestling. And so it's referring to hand-to-hand combat. So this demonic attack is on top of you. And not some distant idea you think about. This is actually happening to you. It's immediate. It's imminent against you. Against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I'm not going to try to break that out as though certain ones were ranks and officers and all that. But it is referring to an organization of demonic beings in an evil and supernatural empire. Empire. Verse 13, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So wear it permanently, practice using it. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Today's particular particular focus is the belt of truth. 
but I'll come back to that. I want, I want to just let you know some background. Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, probably between 60 and 62 AD. Now, he was free to write letters. He was even free to receive visitors, but he was not free to come and go. He was chained to at least one Roman soldier, may have been chained to two at a time. So as he wrote these words, he was looking at a Roman soldier and the armor the soldier wore, the attire of this soldier. And so he compared the attire of the Roman soldier with the armor that's given to us by God. Verse verse 14 of Ephesians, and this is our theme verse. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Now, Roman soldiers wore a wide leather belt. Sometimes it was a woven material, but more typically a leather belt. And in some translations, it's not referred to as belt, as a belt. What's referred to? If you have an older translation, anybody know? Say it. A girdle. I remember girdles, do you? I don't know, are are spanks like girdles? Are they as tight? They are as tight? But, But girdle doesn't mean this. It means a belt. And it really refers to the function. This belt wasn't obviously a piece of armor, but it was essential for engaging in battle. You see, soldiers would often wear long robes, particularly when it was cool. But when they engaged in battle, see, they couldn't run with these long robes. So what they would do is they would wrap the robe through their legs, around their waist, and then they would secure the robe with the belt. And that was called what? Yes, girding your loins, preparing for battle. So you see how the word girdle and girding go together. So then the robe wouldn't be loose. It wouldn't trip you up. It wouldn't be tangled up. It wouldn't get caught in briars. You could run. And their hands would then be free to grip their swords and their shields for battle. In addition, the soldier's scabbard, which contained his sword, would hang from that belt. Well, what's the spiritual meaning of belt? Because each of these pieces of armor has a specific meaning. And we'll break, all, we'll break apart each piece of armor in the rest of this series. But the spiritual meaning of belt of truth is truthfulness. But it's not a reference to the Bible. Because there's another piece of armor or weaponry that refers to the Bible. What is it? Sword of the Spirit. So this is referring more broadly to truthfulness throughout my life. And truthfulness throughout your life is also referred to as what? Integrity. I know it's back there. And this means speaking, acting, living truthfully in every area of our lives. 
In other words, having integrity. Because think about the word integrity, being integrated, being whole, being consistent, having it work through everywhere in your life. I give you another definition of integrity here, a, little sim- a simple one. Integrity is having consistency between my beliefs and my behavior. So in other words, it's practicing my faith. It's surprising to me in our Christian culture today that we seem to have endorsed or allowed people to say they're Christians and that's all that's required. And there's no expectation of living as Christians. But that's a lack of integrity. That's a lack of honesty. It's not being integrated between faith and practice. When we believe the gospel, and the gospel does include the essential facts, who Jesus was, what he did, what was the plan, he was born of a virgin, lived without sin, died as our substitute, was raised from the dead to show that his sacrifice was accepted. By faith, we believe that we can be forgiven. When we accept that, that truth becomes part of our worldview. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you have a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, and you try to talk to them and you can't connect on any level, anybody know, have a situation like that? It's because you don't have the same worldview. Our worldview is based on this essential belief of the good news. And when we're born again, we receive the Holy Spirit who's also called the Spirit of Truth. John chapter 15. The Spirit of Truth lives within us permanently. And He guides us into truth. John 16. When our lives are saturated with truth, immersed in truth, truth it is our worldview. We are not susceptible to Satan's deceptions. The belt of truth enables me to battle Satan by reminding me that the world is temporary. Now, the world is what kind of temptation to sin? Remember from last week? external. The world offers an external temptation to sin. Let's look again at 1 John chapter 2 verse 15. We looked at this last week, but this is probably the the best passage for addressing this issue of the world and its effect on us, the way it tempts us. And it's on page 948 in this Bible available here. 984, I'm sorry. Okay. Beginning at verse 15, do not love this world. Now you say, well, but Jesus died for the world. Yeah. 
those are different contexts. This reference to world is a life and people living indifferent to God's plan. That's where I'm talking about the worldview. They have a completely different worldview. They are not under God's control. They're not interested in his opinion. They're actually living under the devil's control. Nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a a craving for physical pleasure. What's that referred to otherwise? Say it louder. Of what? Lust of the flesh. And lust of the flesh, that's a reference to normal desires satisfied in immoral ways. A craving for everything we see. What is that? But what kind of lust is that? A craving for everything we see. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And that's wanting everything we see dissatisfied with what God has given us. It's materialism. And pride in our achievements and possessions. That's often translated the boastful pride of life. And that's a desire to be elevated above others. I'm better than you, typically because of education, wealth, social standing, fame. But these are not from the Father, but they're from the world, which, as I said, was, is controlled by Satan, 1 John 5, 19. It requires spiritual discernment, truth guided by the Spirit of God to recognize when the world's offerings become displeasing to God because not everything that's enjoyable in this world is evil vacations what's wrong with a vacation or a wonderful meal in a fine restaurant and yet those are physical pleasures but not necessarily wrong what about buying furniture for your house that isn't sinful And neither is advancing in your profession. So when is it displeasing to God? You know, because we could say, well, anybody that has a house, and here's, here's our standard usually, anybody that has a house bigger than mine is in sin. (laughs) Anybody that has a car newer than mine is in sin. But I got mine in 2003, so you are all in trouble. (laughs) That's not the standard. These practices become displeasing to God when they become, there's a word in this text we just read, when they become selfish cravings or drives that displace God as the center, as the focus of our lives. And when they direct us away from what he wants for us. See, it's a mistake if by saying this year car, this square footage of home is where the line is. Because you know what? Someone can be in sin if they're driven about a house that's 800 feet. And someone may not be in sin about a house that's 8,000 feet. What effect does it have on your faith? What does it do? 
And how does it affect otherwise how you live, how you give, how you serve? If we're wearing the belt of truth, we will be aware when external temptations present themselves to us. They very often come through advertisements, TV, movies, magazines, in print and online, through social media, through the comments of other people. Well, how do we know? Well, can't you tell when the Spirit's stirring in you? Do you can y'all tell? Yes. Something on the screen, it, it, it rattles around in you or you hear, this isn't right, this isn't good. It, you know, it's time to turn it off. When it, when it compels you into craving something that undermines your faith, that can't be done by faith. Romans 14 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Then you know this isn't from the Father. And the outcome of this is taking me away from God, not bringing me closer. So guess what? It's time to step away from those things. Truth enables us to recognize and causes us to admit to ourselves and to God when we are selfishly pursuing the world's offerings, physical pleasure, materialism, pride, any of them. And then verse 17 in 1 John 2 says this, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. If we have integrity, we will know and will affirm when these worldly pursuits are not lasting. Physical pleasures lose their appeal. Material possessions lose their attraction. You know what I'm talking about? You had that really nice car, and now it's all dirty. You hadn't washed it in months. But at one point, oh, my goodness, oh. And, you know, some of us, some of us didn't grow up wealthy. I don't know about you. And so the first time we went in a really fancy restaurant, you know, the first time when I went in a really fancy restaurant with the, the law firm and we had clients, I thought, what in the world do I do with all these forks? But somebody had told me, start from the outside, so. But you know, it's interesting. The first time you went somewhere, you remember it? You were kind of nervous, weren't you? First time you went in a hotel where people were trying to grab your suitcases and you're thinking, let go of my suitcase. <laughs> you, but you know what? After a while, you kind of get used to it, don't you? And then you go, where's somebody to carry my bag? This is not quite the temperature I want this meal. I want it to go back to the kitchen. And so what used to really stimulate you now, it's commonplace. Achievements lose their fascination. Once you get a position, once you make a certain level of income, it no longer holds your fascination, does it? Those are all temporary. All of those offerings are temporary. But pursuing God always, 
offers a new and interesting experience every day. You can plumb the depths of sin, and it doesn't take much creativity. But there's always a new step into the intimacy of God, into experiencing Him. So what about you? Have you focused your energy and efforts on pursuing passing worldly offerings that don't please God and prevent you from developing a deeper intimacy with Him? The belt of truth also enables me to battle Satan in another way by realizing that flesh results in death. Now, what kind of temptation is the flesh? The world is external. The flesh is internal, internal. I'm trying, I hope you've noticed, I'm trying to sensitize us to these things so that we can recognize them. Are you recognizing it more this past week? Were you more aware of demonic seduction, enticement? We should we should become more aware, more sensitive to these things. Chapter 8, verse 5, on page 909. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, okay, sinful nature in your translations is flesh. In the Greek, it's sarks. And it refers to first the physical body as opposed to the spirit or the soul. But it can also refer to the passions of human nature. It's the, it's the unsanctified self, which includes the mind and the body. So those who are dominated by the sinful nature, by the flesh, think about sinful things. What occupies your mind? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Amen. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. What is death? What is death? It's separation from God. And And it can be separation temporarily in this life. You enter sin, you're going to separate yourself from God in terms of intimacy. And it can be permanently after this life. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. We have physical bodies, flesh, with natural appetites and needs, hunger, thirst, the need for rest, the desire for sex. But don't miss this. We also have mental and emotional needs for significance and security, for freedom from fear, a sense of worth and identity. Well, what can be wrong with that if you look to fulfill it in the wrong place? Just as much based on a lie. God's given us appropriate ways to satisfy our natural needs and desires. Sex is for marriage between a man and woman and not outside of marriage and not in any other way. Significance and identity are not to be found in this world of possessions. 
or fame or followers. Significance and identity are to be found only in Christ. Everything else is ultimately unsatisfying. Fulfilling a legitimate need in an illegitimate, immoral, unbiblical way is sin. And it leads to death, to separation from God. In this life, ultimately for eternity in the next. When we gratify ourselves, when we attempt to satisfy these appetites and drives on our own, without regard for or in direct defiance of God's guidelines, it makes us susceptible to Satan's temptations. When we stop listening to the Spirit, when we say, I'm doing this, it's what I want, we'll fall prey to temptation. Look at Galatians 5, verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, of your flesh, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. That idolatry can be putting anything ahead of God, by the way. Hostility, sorcery, looking for power. And in fact, today it's in vogue to look, seek spiritual power outside of Christ and His Spirit. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness. Well, some of these sound pretty commonplace, don't they? Some some of you experienced them this week. But see, we've lost sensitivity to what the source of them is because we've minimized the effect on us spiritually and uh, their effect on our faith and our connection to God. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But if you've strapped on the belt of truth, you will realize when you're being led by your flesh. Those sinful, natural human drives. You'll know when you're disregarding what the Spirit is saying. If you're born again, the Spirit is continually speaking to you, convicting you of sin, directing your life. But you might not be listening. In fact, you may have been practicing tuning him out so long, you may hardly hear him at all. But it's a dangerous place to be. Wearing the belt of truth allows you to resist the drives and desires of your sinful nature. Ephesians chapter 4. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. You can do that. You don't have to submit to it. And your former way of life. And this is expressed in all kinds of practices. All all types of addictions. And addictions come in a wide range. From substance abuse to the abuse of people. To power. To wealth. All kinds of addictive behaviors. Seek to satisfy something that's missing inside. When it can only truly be fulfilled by Christ. 
So throw that off. You don't have to submit to it. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So right now, are you allowing some natural desire to dominate your life and damage your faith? And if, if right now you're hearing what it is and you know what it is, that may be the Spirit pointing it out to you at this moment. The belt of truth also enables me to battle Satan by recognizing the devil's deception. Okay, we had external temptation, we had internal temptation. What kind of temptation is this? Do you know? Supernatural, yeah, supernatural temptation. 2 Timothy 2. Verse 25. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Have you been captive of Satan? Are you captive of Satan? What's the best way to recognize a lie? What? Know the truth. What's the best way to recognize a liar? What? That's a trick question. The same thing. Know the truth. But we have to live by the truth. See, some of us have grown so accustomed to living untruthful lies because they get us out of uncomfortable situations, because they let us gain some advantage. We cheat on our taxes a little bit. There's a little benefit for that. We use somebody else's past to get into some service or meeting or club that we wouldn't otherwise be allowed to go to. We just get used to lying a lot of ways. Don't tell her I'm here. But once we start lying, we've stepped away from integrity. And there are no little lies. They're the opposite of truth. So we have to recognize lies and reject the opportunity to use them, even if there's an advantage there. When we know the gospel, when we've received the spirit of truth as a permanent resident inside of us, and it's, then we listen to the spirit, we're led by the spirit, we follow the spirit. We're not easily fooled by Satan's lies. The devil's demons attempt to discourage our faith, to distort what the gospel actually is, cause us to doubt God, hinder our service to God, justify disobedience, rationalize selfishness, incite revenge, bring division, especially among Christians. But also, there, I mean, you could have a long list of things, encourage pride, encourage anger, encourage dishonesty, encourage lust of many different kinds. 
And these diabolical temptations are often experienced as a whispered thought, an idea, perhaps a suggestion from another person. But the source is diabolical. The devil's deceptive words often sound like some of these phrases. You're only human. Everybody sins. God wants you to be happy. How could there be anything wrong with expressing love? How about this one? You deserve this. And this may be the worst one. No one will ever know. It won't change who you are. Yes, it will. When we receive these sinful suggestions from a supernatural source, if we're led by the Spirit, if we're wearing the belt of truth, we'll recognize it immediately because it won't sound like something God would say. Do you know God's voice? And it isn't just knowing His voice in terms of tone Even more so, it's in terms of content. You know what I'm saying? If you know someone, you know, if someone quotes them to you, you know whether it's that person or not, you know? It's like I told you last week about my fashion sense and my wife's opinion of it. It's like someone said, you know, I was talking to Perry and Perry would love to go shopping all day Saturday. He wants a new wardrobe, which she would say, you have not been talking to him. Do we know God's voice? Do we know the sound of it? Do we know the content of it? So that when we hear something, we say, this is not God speaking at all. John 10, 3 says, we know the voice of the shepherds. The Spirit will warn us when we're listening to a satanic voice. Ask Him. Ask Him to show. If you hear something, if you think something, say, Spirit, what's the source of what I'm thinking? What's the source of what I'm hearing? James 4, verse 7. Humble yourselves before God. Now, this is talking about in an instance. You're being tempted, see? But instead of following the temptation, you pull back and turn to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come close to God, God will come close to you. Are you being deceived right now into a path, into pursuing a path that you know is wrong? I would venture to say most of the time we know when the steps we're taking are wrong. Resist, repent, which means change directions, turn and go another way. Return to closely following God. The memory verse for today, John 8, is a good one to close with. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth. And what will it do? Are you free? If you're free, you don't yet know the truth. Take some steps because you can know the truth and you can be set free. Free from the world, 
free from your flesh, free from Satan and his demons. As we close, we need to affirm, you, you, I taught you the ministry plan, we had a question and answer, you've had the opportunity to look it up, and so as we close now, if you affirm the ministry plan as it's been written and you intend to participate by helping to support it, please stand. And I will close this in prayer. It looks like most. We don't have to have 100%, and I think we have an overwhelming majority. There'll be counselors here to pray with you, to anoint you with oil, to talk with you. Father God, I pray that your spirit would speak loudly if we're not hearing. Lord, that by your spirit we would be led away from external temptations from this world, from internal temptations, from our own flesh, from supernatural temptations, from Satan and the fallen angels that follow him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. This week on individual note cards or even sticky notes, write down specific truths you see in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. Post those all over your world to help you see things as God sees them. Ask God to make these truths a part of who you are. And if you're in a group, come up with a few of these together and reflect on ways to apply them to your lives. At Brookwood, we would love for the opportunity to help you pursue a relationship with Christ so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. So email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on the Connections team. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you like this podcast, please leave a review so others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. Thank you so much for listening and have an amazing week.